Can anybody remember before um, we had computers? Okay, do you have any? <laughs> no, would y'all hear that? Before the days of typewriters even, especially even computers, there's a man by the name of Thomas Carlyle. Thomas Carlyle was an author, he was a philosopher, and in the 1800s he decided to write a history of the French Revolution, and he did. It took him three years, 1,500 pages all written by hand. He gave it to a good friend of his, a man by the name of Stuart Mills, and Stuart was going to take it and edit it, proofread it, and get it ready for publication. But Stuart Mills put the manuscript, all 1,500 pages, right beside the fireplace, yeah, and uh, he, he left it there, and the maid came through the next day and thought, well, this is just trash. And so she burned all 1,500 pages of the manuscript to Thomas Carlyle's life work, really. The research, the, the detail that he put into it, literally it threw him into depression. And so for weeks upon weeks, he, he stayed in bed. But one day he looked out through the window and he saw a man outside the window who was standing in front of a church and the church had a brick wall in front of it and somehow that brick wall had fallen. So day by day, week by week, Thomas Carlyle in his depression, he just watched this, this man. He would take one brick at a time, literally eight hours a day for three consecutive weeks. And Thomas Carlyle just watched him and then he said, it dawned on me. If that man can rebuild the wall brick by brick, then I can rewrite my book page by page. And so he did. And so for the next two years, he rewrote the history of the French Revolution, 1837, and today still it remains as a classic. You know, I'm always astounded, I'm always impressed by those who, when they are knocked down, they refuse to stay down and they get back up. And that's what we find constantly throughout the Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, God's people. And they are not immune to setbacks and hardship and difficulties and the vicissitudes of life. No, we encounter them just like everybody else. But by God's grace and power, we have the wherewithal to get back up and to give it another shot. And so I want you to turn with me in your Bible. If you have a copy of God's Word, it's Acts chapter 5. I'll read verses 33 through 42. And the title of our message is Get Back Up. And we're glad to be back in the book of Acts today. My name is Danny Forshe. I'm pastor here at Great Hills, and we are just delighted that you're here. Uh, already had an opportunity to meet some, some new people here, and so we're just glad that you've come uh, to worship the Lord with us today. And so I look forward to meeting some of you. If you would like to meet with me, uh, we'll be in the back here. I'd love to spend a little time with you, give you a book we've written, and also just to get to know you a little bit. So I'm excited about the text today. This is a passage of Scripture that just... I mean, it just pulsates with, um, with action and, I mean, really with these apostles who just really refuse to acquiesce or to give in to, to the pressures of the society, really of the pressures of the Sanhedrin. And I just love the wherewithal, the strength, the courage, the grit, the resiliency, the determination to say, we are going to obey God. We're going to get back up even though we have been knocked down. When they heard this, now the 
antecedent for this would be Peter's sermon in the preceding verses. When they heard this, they were furious, and they plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. He was a teacher of the law. He was held in respect by all the people, and he commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And Gamaliel really here is the voice of reason. It's very hostile, contentious environment. Uh, The scenario is the the Sanhedrin had already told them, do not speak any more in this dead man's name. He is dead. We crucified him. End of story. And the apostles kept preaching that Jesus, yes, he died, but it was a substitutionary death. And God the Father raised him from the dead. And they were proliferating that message all throughout Jerusalem and the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish Senate Supreme Court, Congress, if you will, all rolled up in one, and they strictly prohibited them, stop. If you continue to teach in his name, you will suffer the repercussions for it. And so sure enough, they went right back out and they just kept preaching in his name. So the Sanhedrin arrests them. And then one of them, a man by the name of Gamaliel, it seems like he had the the wherewithal, the the smarts about him to, to create this plan. He said, men of Israel, verse 35, Take heed to yourselves. Be careful what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thutis rose up. He claimed to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain. and All who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas, Gamaliel knows his history, right? He's going to give them two examples of two would-be messiahs. One named Thutis, just happened to rhyme with a man named Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census. He drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now, I say to you, really an imperative command, keep away from these men and let them alone. Just leave them be. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But, look at verse 39. Gamaliel said, If this is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And so they agreed with him. They agreed with Gamaliel's plan. And when they had called for the apostles... And Dero had beaten them, the Greek word there, beaten. It could mean one of two things. It could be mean, means beaten with 39 lashes or a lesser beating, but was still incredibly painful. After they had beaten them, they commanded them <laughs> again, you shall not speak any more in this name of Jesus. Stop it. Cut it out. Let it alone. So the apostles departed from the presence of the council, and they rejoiced. Amen. You got it. You got that. They rejoiced, and the Bible says they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Wow. And now watch this. Talking about get back up. Watch what they did in verse 42. They did not cower in fear and trepidation. They did not 
you know, capitulate to the pressures. They did not go to their homes and shiver in fear going, oh my, this was awful. We'll, our, our lives are now threatened. Notice what they did. And daily, how often church? Daily. daily, all right. And daily in the temple and in every house. Where church? And in the temple. So how often? Where? In the temple and in the house. They did not cease. They did not cease Didache teaching and uangalitso evangelizing. And here was the message that they preached, that Jesus is the Christ. Wow. I'm astonished. I'm amazed. I'm impressed. I'm motivated. I'm encouraged. Whenever I read the Word of God and I study it as we're doing today, and I look at the history, the context, and I see what God's people have done through the ages, and still to this day, men and women of faith are boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus in an environment that is very hostile, that is very contrary to the message of Christ. Of course, here we are in Austin, Texas, and in the United States of America, we have no fear of really any kind of attack. I mean, somebody might get upset with us and say something, but I mean, we, we have such liberty and such freedom, but that has been granted to us at a very, very high price. There have been men and women, and they are continuing to lay down their lives so that the message of Jesus could be proclaimed on, in the house, in the temple, day by day, and we are the beneficiaries of such great sacrifice. Some of you here listening to me today, you you feel this, this kind of this struggle. You feel like because you're walking with the Lord, you feel like sometimes you're almost in the crosshairs of the devil. And it's like you are, you're persecuted and you're attacked. No, not physically, but, but spiritually and, and mentally and emotionally and maybe even in your job. And you would feel the, the pressure or the temptation, you know, just to, just to be quiet and not to ruffle you know, any feathers, not to cause any disruption. And yet when we come to this passage of Scripture, it's like Christianity moves in these realms. It moves when we feel like, oh, we're under pressure and, and times are hard and we may get knocked, knocked down, but it's like the Word of God just comes underneath us and lifts us up and says, okay, let's get back up. Let's get back up and share the message and unashamedly and unapologetically with, with love and with grace, tell the good, the good news. So Ashley and I watched a movie the other day. It was um, an interesting movie. It's called The Art of Racing in the Rain. And I, I do encourage you, if you get a chance to go see it, I, I doubt it's still in the, in the theater, but it'll probably come out uh, soon. And the story is about this, this man. He's a race car driver. And you're talking about heartache. Oh, my word. I don't want to spoil the movie for you, but I will say this. Grab a lot of Kleenex, get a lot of tissue. And if you watch this movie, just be prepared that you're like, no, no, that, that too, and that, and this, and then you're like, this poor guy is about at the end of his rope. And so he is about to give up his dream of being a race car driver. And that's what he had planned on. That's what he had prepared. That's what he had trained. His whole life was geared and he was incredibly successful at it. But just through the, the course of life and through death and his family and through setbacks and through false accusations, misunderstandings, he finally just said, you know what? I think I'll just give up. And he went to his boss 
I just love this moment there in the movie. And, and I, I don't have it word for word, but I paraphrased what his boss told him in the movie at the racetrack that day. And it went something like this. You know, it is okay if you try and you fail, that is never a problem. It is only when you never try or attempt to fulfill your dream, then that is the problem. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you with the Word of God. It may be a family issue. It may be your walk with God. It may be marriage, a job, your finances. I don't know what it is, but you may feel like that you've been knocked down and you, you're beleaguered, you know, and you're weary. And, and you read passage like this, and not only are we going to read it, but we're going to, to actually study it and, and just look at the context, look at the verses, look at the words. <laughs> Amen. Um, and just ask God to really speak to us and encourage us. The title of the message is Get Back. Help me. Get back up. First of all, I want to share with you a word of contention in verse 33. This is a very contentious environment. The word contention literally means to have a heated disagreement. The tension is palpable. I mean, you can cut it with a knife. Peter had said in verse 29 with the other apostles, we ought to obey God rather than men. Verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you murdered by hanging him on a tree. Peter had the audacity to tell the Sanhedrin, you are guilty of killing the Son of God. You shed his blood and yet God allowed it for the salvation of mankind and that did not go over very well. In fact, in verse 30 it says, 33 it says, and when they heard this, they were de prianto is the Greek word. They were furious. You could also translate it cut to the quick or cut to the heart. Only one other time this Greek word is used in the entire New Testament. And it's used in Acts 7.54 when Stephen had preached like Peter had preached and the crowds were so infuriated. The Bible says in Acts 7.54 that they were cut to the heart. It reminds me of Hebrews 4.12 where, where the Bible talks about itself, how it contains the truth, and, and if we allow it to cut us and to, to perform um, heart surgery on us, then we come out so much the better. But if we don't, then it still cuts, and it, and it lays bare, and it, and it convinces us, and it, and it convicts us. Here, here it is. For the Word of God is living and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It is a discerner, watch this, the Bible, the Word of God discerns your very thoughts and the intents of your heart. So if you're here today and you're listening to the Bible and, and you, you feel this conviction or you, you feel this welling up within you that, you know, what, what you did what wasn't really what you should have done or what you said was really not what you should have said or what you thought was not what you should have thought. And you, you, you feel this conviction. And, and many people, they, they say, I do not want to go to church and feel that way. All I want to do is I want to go to church and I want to be told how good I am and how good everything is in the world. And then, then I'll just get by the best I can. But wouldn't it be better if you knew the truth? Wouldn't it be better if the Spirit of God loved you so much 
that He would speak to you these, these hard things, if you will. And then as the Spirit of God reveals things to you, then you say, that's right, Lord, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I shouldn't have thought that, and I shouldn't have done that. And so I'm going to ask my spouse to forgive me. I'm going to ask my kids to forgive me. I'm going to go back and rest, make restitution to the people at work that I've offended. And then watch what happens. The Spirit of God just comes and, and He works and He brings about healing and He brings about hope and he, and he brings about joy. And that is the Spirit of God using the Word of God within the people of God. So it's a contentious environment. And there are responses whenever you teach the Bible. There's always these responses. Some believe and they accept. Some reject and some do so vehemently. And they reject it and they're angry, and that's what we have here. And then thirdly, some, some people just don't care. You know, you, you can share the gospel, share the testimony, share the word, and they, they just don't care. But here's the thing. If we, you and I are faithful to share, God will always bring about people who are willing to hear. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. One writer puts it this way, John MacArthur, he says, you know, our gospel presentations must be definitive enough that the world must take note even if they reject our message. If the gospel we preach is not convicting enough to make some men angry, is it convicting enough to bring them to salvation? End of quote. So verse 33 is a word of contention. But number two, verses 34 through 39, I want to look at this passage of Scripture with you through the lens of, of counsel, okay? So this is a word of counsel, a man by the name of Gamaliel. Now, Gamaliel was very respected within the first century community. As you research his life, not only did the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, studied under this man. So this was a very learned rabbi. I read one uh, writer said that when he died, they said it was like the glory of the Torah had departed because of the death of Rabbi Gamaliel. And of course, that's a lot of hyperbole and a lot of, you, you, you know, exaggeration. But, but you get the point. This guy was so respected and he was so really honored and, 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 and revered. So it says that he was a Pharisee. He was a man by the name of Gamaliel. There are 6,000 Pharisees in the first century at this time. The Pharisees, along with the the Sadducees and some Essenes and some Zealots, they are the constituents of what is known as the Sanhedrin. And so get this in your mind, you got Sadducees, Pharisees, Essenes, Zealots, they are in the 70 member council and they are the rulers. I mean, they are the government, they are the police, they rule and Rome allows them to rule everything that happens in Jerusalem. And just think about it, here are these people come along and they're talking about this Messiah who's predicted in the Old Testament, who dies on the cross, rises from the dead, and none of the 70 believe that. All of the 70 categorically, I mean vociferously, they reject this whole message. And here you have these apostles coming along saying, listen, you can reject it if you want to, but it's still true. Christ died for sinners, your sins, my sins. We put him on the cross. But God vindicated him. God the Father raised him from the dead. I'm telling you, he's alive. You can't find a corpse. You can't find a body. You can't find him anywhere. He ascended to the Father. He is alive. And if we believe in him, we'll all be saved and go to heaven. Woo, what a message. And you and I say, yeah, praise God. What a message. 
And yet the Sanhedrin said, no, no, not only do we not believe that, but if you continue to preach this, we will bodily harm you. We will lay hands on you. But thank the Lord for Gamaliel, the counselor, who has the wherewithal, the spiritual maturity. He doesn't believe. No, he doesn't believe in Jesus. Because if he did, he would have stood up. And he would have said, I believe. And then all 69 of them would have turned on him. But he does, thankfully, say this. Okay, time out. Hey, guys, let's dismiss these people. So they dismiss the, the 12. And there they are in the waiting room, <laughs> the antechamber, waiting on the decision of the Sanhedrin to realize 69 of the 70 want to deliver them to Rome and have them executed. But one man, one friend, he stands up and he says, okay, let's, let's just think about it like this. And I read it a moment ago and I'll just recapitulate it for you. I'll summarize it for you. In verse 35, he said, okay, take heed, imperative mood. Verses 36 and 37, he said, okay, we, we've been down this road before. Remember Judas and Thutis? Remember these false messiahs? Remember those guys? And I can just see the Sanhedrin, you know, stroking those beards, you know, and just all their erudition and their arrogance going, you speak well, Gamaliel, you speak well. Yes, we do remember those. And what happened to them? Josephus the writer, the Jewish writer in the first century, he said, yes, he said 2,000 had been executed even before Herod the Great in 4 BC. Yes, these revolutionaries, they rise up and then nothing happens. And that's probably what's going to happen here. So let them alone. Let them be. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Let them talk all they want because over time, they'll die out. Their leaders will die. We'll bury this. We'll put it to rest. And peace and harmony will come back to Jerusalem. He says in verse 38, keep away from them. I thought this was really interesting. If you have your Bible open, and now I say to you, apostate them. It's the Greek word apostasy. Stay away. Run away from them. And let them alone, for if this plan or if this work is of men, it's coming to nothing but, and here he comes in verse 39, which is very interesting. But if it is of God, I'm in verse 39, I really want you to look at this, this is interesting. If, if this is of God, you, dunamis, is the Greek word, you cannot. Dunamis is translated here, cannot. It's where we get the English word dynamite. He said, if this is of God, this is dynamistic. This is, this is powerful. You will not be able to overthrow it. Even you be found to fight against God. And then verse 40 says, and they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles, they beat them. Darrow is, is the word. And again, and I shared this with you a moment ago, it can mean one of two things. The Greek word, verse 40, beaten, it can mean scourge, like Jesus was beaten, like Paul had, will be beaten. I mean, you, you're beaten within an inch of your life. And the apostles know this. They know that it's not going to be good. They're either going to beat us or they're going to kill us. 
Either way, the prospect is not very good. And I believe they were beaten not with the 39 stripes, but with a lesser beaten. But unless we think it's, it was okay, it's not okay. Have your backs bare. I don't know how many stripes. Maybe each one of them got five or ten stripes on their back. All I know is it's painful. Painful. I just, I just think about, you know, well, what would I do? What would I do? I mean, the closest I ever came to being genuinely fearful was that I was in a foreign country and the mission team that I was with, our passports were confiscated. We were placed by the police in another room and I literally got nervous. I thought, oh my, it's the book of Acts again. I, I wonder what's going to happen to us. And we had a Gamaliel. Um, it wasn't a he, but it was a she. It was the pastor's wife. Don't mess with pastor's wives. Can I just, can I just say, I mean, these are, some, these are some fierce ladies, right? And the pastor's wife confronted the police officer. And again, we, we were really nervous at this point. If you're interested, I can tell you the country. I can tell you more about it later at another time in a private conversation. But we, we are, listen, you never part with your passport ever on a mission trip. I sleep with my passport. I mean, literally, it's right beside my bed. That is the most, did you realize, if you're a citizen of the United States of America, that is the most prestigious document in the world, is to be a citizen of the United States of America. And so these, these people took it. The police took it, and they, and I thought, what in the world's about to happen? And so the pastor's wife in the community goes up to another police officer, and she and this lady I do not speak Russian, but I'm telling you, it was on. There was an argument going on. Come to find out, the pastor's wife translated it for us, and it went something like this. The lady, the police officer, told the pastor's wife, I know who you are. I know what all these people are about, and I'm going to tell you how I know is because there's a light in your eyes that I don't recognize. You have a light about you. There's something about you, and it's the same thing in them, and I don't understand it. What in the world is going on? And it was just, it was amazing. And so the pastor's wife told her what was going on and explained to her. They gave us our passports. They let us go. But for those few moments, it was really nerve-wracking. It was, it was dangerous, if you will. They said, do not anymore now. We command you, do not speak in Jesus' name. You know, when they gave that commandment, I really think the Sanhedrin were thinking to themselves, not that you're going to obey us or not that you're, but we're commanding you, do not do this again. And I think in their mind, knowing full well, these people are going to go back. And sure enough, look at, look at verse 41, and we're going to look at the courage now. If you're taking notes, we're going from contention, contentious environment to the council of Gamaliel, and now to the courage of the 12. Verse 41. So when they departed from the presence of the council, oh, please help me somebody, what in the world? Rejoicing. They were present tense rejoicing, Cairo. That's where we get our, our, our translation of the word grace. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Wow. What courage. Man, what dedication. 
What an all-out commitment to Jesus Christ. It inspires me. It convicts me. As I read, they are threatened within an inch of their life, knowing full well if they disobey the high council of men, then they're going to suffer. Their families are probably going to suffer. And yet they go out Cairo, they are rejoicing. The, the word means to be cheerful or to be calmly happy. You say, wow, is that, is that right? That's, it's right. Let, let me show you a couple of passages of Scripture that illustrate this. James 1, verses 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all, help me church, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Then another text, 1 Peter 4. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, but, watch this, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice. Same word, rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, you know, by the way, that word's not used very often in the Bible. The first time the word Christian is used, it's a very pejorative, condescending way in the book of Acts. But look at it here. It, it's, it's evolved into a, a praiseworthy, beautiful nomenclature. If anybody suffers as a Christian, y'all know what a Christian is? It's a little Christ. That's what it means. It means that you follow and imitate, emulate, and serve the risen Christ, so much so that your behavior is commensurate with His behavior, and so therefore you're referred to as a Christian, a Christ follower. If you suffer for being a Christian, let Him not be ashamed, no, but let Him glorify God in this matter. And that's exactly what we see the early church here. They are rejoicing that they had been found worthy to suffer. What was the reason? Well, let me give you the reason why. And the reason why is in verse 41, and this really, really grabbed me. I'm telling you, there are some passages in the Scripture that I read, and they, they, they literally put the spiritual tentacles around my heart, and it squeezes me and it convicts me when it says that they departed from the presence of the council. They rejoiced that they were, here it is, counted worthy. Mm. They were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. F.F. F. Bruce, one of my favorite theologians, says, As for the flogging they had received, this did not dishearten them. On the contrary, they found cause for joy in the thought that God had counted them worthy to endure this humiliation for the sake of Jesus' name. It was a participation in his suffering such as he had warned them to expect, end of quote, and Jesus had, right? Jesus warned them and Jesus warns us that there comes times when you take a stand and you're bold and you're not cowardly and you, you make a bold commitment to Christ and it may cost you your job. In America, that's probably, at least at this point, the worst thing that's going to happen to us. We could lose our jobs or lose our reputation, whatever. People discredit us or, or make false accusations against us. But in other countries, it's much more than losing your job. It's losing your life. And yet these people, all the way back to the New Testament, they say, let Jesus be praised that I was counted worthy to suffer for his name. Wow 
powerful. Jesus said these words in Matthew 10. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, right? And they will scourge you, right? In their synagogues. That's exactly what happened. They were scourged. They were beaten within the council of the Sanhedrin. But let me close today on a real crescendo, on a high note, and it's the word resilient in verse 42. I love this word. Verse 42 says, and they departed. They never said another word about Jesus. They cried. They felt sorry for themselves. They had a pity party, and they just ate, let me see, lemons and persimmons, and they sucked on them until they cried themselves to sleep. Wow, man, is that what your Bible says? Then somebody tell your face. That's not what it says. Some of us today are still frowning. How could you frown? Look at verse 42. I mean, they went out daily in the temp. Don't, I'm like, I almost want to say, don't go there, please. They're going to find you and they're going to beat you to death. They didn't care. They went to the temple in Jerusalem, the conspicuous, notable temple, and they're praising they're praising Jesus and they're, woo, hallelujah, and they're preaching the word of God. My, my, my. What courage, what resiliency, what determination, what grit, what perseverance. When did they go? Daily. Where did they go? They went to the temple. They went to everybody's house. How did they conduct themselves? I'm in verse 42. They did not cease. They did not cease. Now, verse 42 is in the imperfect tense when it says they did not cease. Imperfect tense in the Greek means continual action in the past. Okay, you ready? They kept on teaching. They kept on preaching. And they would not relent. They would not shut up. Not only conspicuously, openly at the temple, but also they went to everybody's house. And they boldly proclaimed, and they taught and they preached that Jesus is the Christ. Wow. Eugene Florence, he, he was quite a remarkable man. He graduated from seminary when he was 100 years old. So don't tell me you're too old to go back to school or whatever. He graduated from my alma mater. But because he was an African-American, he could not go to class with the white people. He had to go in the basement and study because things were segregated way back when. It took him eight years to get the same degree that I got four years. Now, I know some of y'all look at me, you, you don't look that old. I'm not that old. I'm, I'm going back in time, okay? This is before the 80s. This would be like in the 30s and the 40s, all right? But you know what he did? He graduated with no bitterness, he took a part-time job at Texas Christian University as a janitor during the day. Then on the weekends, he would go and just preach Jesus with no, no animosity toward anybody. He just loved God. In fact, I'll, I'll just say, tell you what he said. As long as Jesus keeps me living, I'm going to trust him and preach the gospel whenever I can. I don't see color. I just see God's people. However many years I have left, he's 104 by now, okay? How many years I have left, I just want to be a blessing. And then he said in chapel, be obedient and have determination. 
In 2004, the president of Southwestern Seminary gave him his master's degree because he had already earned it years and years before, but they, would only, they wouldn't recognize it. And so Dr. Patterson had the wherewithal to say, we're going to award you what you deserve. And they gave him uh, his degree. And by the way, he went on to live to the young age of 108. What about that? 108 years of age. But the thing I just, 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 I loved about this man, there's so many things I loved about him. And it was his resiliency, his determination. I mean, he had opposition, right? He had things, he was mistreated. He was treated in a way that, that I would never be treated as just because of the color of my skin. I would never have experienced that. I never will experience that. And unfortunately he did, but he did not get angry and, and, and he didn't say, well, just forget this. You know, I, I've just had enough of this. God, if you're my friend, you really would have helped me out on this and I'll just go back to doing something else. No, praise God. He didn't do that. He said, God has called me to preach the word of God. I'm not going to hold any animosity. I'm not going to hold any bitterness. I ain't got time for that. I'm hundred years old. I'm just going to preach the word of God and I'm going to live strong, loud and proud for the gospel. And I'm so grateful for people like that. Aren't you? I mean, I just appreciate them that they have that wherewithal, that stamina, that, that resiliency, that determination, that grit, that persevering spirit that says, knock me down, I'm going to, thank you, get back up. And we read in the New Testament that the church exploded in growth, right? I mean, it grew so much within a couple hundred years that Constantine himself, he professedly became a Christian and baptized all the Roman army because Christianity at that point had taken over the whole Roman world. But do you know how it could, took over the whole Roman world? It's because of people like this. Men and women, unafraid, unashamed, knock me down, I'll get back up. And I'm just wondering, do we have that? We all want Great Hills Baptist Church to grow. Amen. Amen. Grow, grow, grow. But does anybody want to do that? No, I mean, really, I'm being honest, serious with you for a minute. Does anybody want to do that? Show up. Go out. Preach Jesus. Hey, and, and nobody's even threatening us. I mean, nobody's, nobody's calling me, and a lot of people dislike me, but they don't threaten me. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, I want to grow. I want Great Hills to grow, and I, I know all of you do. I mean, you tell me, grow, man, Great Hills, two million people, man, let's reach people. Are we willing to do this? I think this is what it's going to take to fill up that. Who's willing? I mean, we had a small band of 20 of us yesterday. We went out and Every time we do this, praise the Lord. It's just amazing what God does. This one lady, here's the story that Ross told me. I was in another part of the city, loving on people, sharing Jesus, praying with people. He said, do you still do that, Brother Danny? I mean, I don't, people don't do that anymore, do they? I mean, yes, this, this brother does. I mean, I, I, I enjoy it. I'm proud of the Lord. I'm proud of my church. People look at me sometimes like I'm a little strange. It's all good. But I understand Marsha got confronted yesterday out here in the parking lot somewhere. What are you people doing? Why are you washing these windows? 
She said, oh, we just, we love the Lord. We go to Great Hills Baptist Church and we just want to bless the businesses. We want to bless the community and say, we love y'all. Let us wash your windows. And that lady said, you got to be kidding. Y'all really are doing that? Thank you, Lord. I think that's what it takes, guys. I think that's what it takes. Wherever you are, wherever I am, go out. And we're stronger together, right? We're better together. And so when you hear, I think we only do this like three or four times a year. It's the only time we do that. Hey, if you hear a whisper of it, man, put on your shirt. Some of you brothers had the shirt on, the awesome shirt. Susan Murray, she was wearing her awesome shirt yesterday. She goes, I don't have a shirt like yours. Mine said Great Hills Baptist Church. And we, we just went out. Oh, he's got the shirts in the back today, don't you? They still $39? Is that what? $29. Wow, what a deal. What a bargain. No, it's free. He's going to have them in the back there. And if you want to grab one of those, you're, you're welcome to it. You're welcome to have it. I've got mine. I love it. Love that shirt. It's, it's loud. It's like crosses. It's got uh, awesome on it. Come on, church. We got this. We can do this. We all want the blessings, right? Man, we want the growth and we want to. Man, I don't know about y'all, but I want to plant another church. I'm ready. I'm willing. But we got to get, we got to keep going here, Right? That church we planned has gone from 30 to 100. Praise God. And we haven't, we haven't backed off and we're still moving on. And so where's the Holy Spirit leading us? Oh, man, I'm excited. I'm excited about what God's doing here. And I just, I just believe if you and I lived it out unashamedly and boldly, my, my, we'd have to have five worship services at Great Hills Baptist Church. But I hope you don't walk out of here beat up saying, this pastor called me a reprobate. I'm a no good son of a gun. I'm just terrible. And I'm just, I'm just going to go and just quit. I, no, I hope you walk out of here going, man, those people were bold and they were unashamed. And that's the way I'm going to live. I'm going to tell my boss. I'm going to tell my friends. I'm going to tell my neighbors. I don't care who. I'm going to tell them there is hope in Jesus name. If we believe in him and when we die, we go to heaven. Listen, they may laugh at you. They may laugh at me, but that's between them and God. God has not called me to their response. God has called me to be obedient and just share and love people into the kingdom. I hope you do it. I hope you'll join arms with me, lock arms with me and walk out of this place and just say, Lord, come what may, we're going to be loud and proud with the gospel. Anybody? You good? Okay, good. Amen. Glad. Okay. As long as the Lord keeps me here, I'm going to make you a promise, okay? And here it is. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not going to do. If I ever ask you to show up and do something for the gospel, something has to be on, on me before I can not show up. I cannot, in good faith and good conscience, ask Great Hills Baptist Church to tithe if Ashley and I don't tithe. I can't ask you to serve if I'm not willing to serve. I can't ask you to witness if I'm not willing to witness. So I'm in this, all in this together. Excited about it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for our time together. Love our church. Lord, love you. We love what you're doing. Pray for those gospel seeds that were sown throughout 78759 yesterday. I pray they would take root. It'd be on good soil, God. For all those businesses, these dear precious souls touched yesterday, washing windows. May it leave, Lord, such a sweet 
aroma, a fragrance of Christ that cannot be resisted. Lord, bless our people. I love, love, love our people. God, bless them this week. May they have opportunities. May they take advantage of opportunities. Just to brag on you, Lord, to say a good word about you and about our church. Lord, may it be said of us that we went out daily and we spoke in houses large and small and businesses too without ceasing, preaching and evangelizing and teaching that Jesus is the hope of the world, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Maybe you're listening today and your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, and if you're like one of the 350 that watched us last week on live stream, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for watching us. We're, we're thrilled all over the world. You tune us in, and we're thrilled that you watch us. Maybe you're watching now, or maybe you're right here. You're one of the six or 700 in this very sanctuary right now. And the Spirit of God is speaking to you. He's encouraging you. Here's how I know it's the Spirit of God, okay? He convicts, but He convicts with a purpose, and He convicts with love. And it'll say something like, oh, you denied me, you've disobeyed me, but if you'll ask me, I'll be glad to forgive you, and we can, you, you can do better next time. But here's what the devil says. Oh, you saw, oh my word, you call yourself a Christian. Oh my, you're just terrible. You just need to turn in your Christianity card, just do something else. Listen, don't listen to that. That is the voice of darkness. Don't listen to the condemning, persecuting vitriol, the venom of the evil one. But listen to the voice of the Spirit who convicts, but also who encourages and, 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 and say, okay, Lord, I'm here and I'm, I'm sorry for opportunities missed, so help me. Help me this week, Lord, to tell somebody to brag, to brag on you. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, this is the church I need. I need a church like this. I know this church ain't for everybody. Because I know this church preaches the Bible straight up, and that's, uh, but that's what I need. And so I want to, how do I get involved in this church? Well, here's what you do. We, we have, I'm still talking to you with my head bowed and my eyes closed. I'm just talking to you, okay? We have a Discover Great Hills class. You can come to the class. It's three weeks. We'll teach you. We'll help you. We'll equip you to understand what, what this place is about and how God has blessed in the past and how he's blessing now and what we believe to be for the future. You come. Maybe you're here and for, you've never been baptized. You say, you know, I love the Lord, but I tell you, I've never really gone public. You know, I came to faith in Christ in another tradition or in another uh, state or another place, but I'm, I've accepted Christ and I'm, I want to go public and I want to unashamedly. Hey, listen to me right quick. We're going to baptize you and the church is going to applaud and clap and shake your hand. 2,000 years ago, if you were baptized, your throat would be slit. Your life would be taken. And if you were caught, you would be persecuted. Oh, Jesus. Help us be faithful. Help us be obedient. Lord, it's what a joy, what a blessing to know you, to live in the greatest country in the history of mankind and the freedoms and the joys that we have. And yet more people are dying through suicide and more people are lonely in the age of social media and interconnectedness. Lord, there's so much loneliness and pain and hurting. God, you are our hope. The gospel is our hope. Okay, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep talking. This week, you do not know. There is somebody 
that you're going to come in contact this week. And if this is a prophetic word, then you receive it. If it's not, then don't receive it. God could put you in the path of somebody who is contemplating suicide. You have no idea. Pastor, just this past week, at Greg Laurie's church there in, in Riverside, California, he's written, he's helped on mental illness in his 30s, two precious children and a wife. He took his life. Took his life. You never know. You never know who's suffering. You don't know what's behind the veil. Reach out. Love them. Say, hey, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't really know you, but can I just say, stop right here and just pray you and tell you there's hope in Jesus' name. Lord, help us do that. Help me do that more and more, Lord, this week. So, Father, we love you. We pray now for our invitation. We ask that you would bless it, crown it, God. Crown this message, Lord, with your favor. I pray that decisions are made commitments are made and that, Lord, when we leave this place in a few minutes, God, our batteries will have been recharged. Our spiritual gas tanks will be F, 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 overboard full, and we'll go out of here and preach and teach and live the gospel. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Corey, are you here? Oh, there he is. Corey's going to lead us in a song. Would y'all join me and stand? And we'll sing a song of invitation and say, God bless you. Come. Let us pray with you. Let us encourage you. God bless you now as you come.